Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we speak to Dan Smith, founder of Fireworks, a marketing agency with offices in Bournemouth and London. Listed in the drums, top 10 UK elite agencies, Firework embodies Dan's insatiable creative drive and unwavering desire to disrupt the status quo. The advent of smartphones and social media has had a profound effect on marketing. For a while now, it's a lot cheaper and easier to get your message out there. But the flip side of this is that there is so much information, so much noise, and this combined with our ever-decreasing attention spans means despite the convenience and immediacy of digital marketing, it's actually a lot harder to be heard. Raising your brand above all that chatter is precisely what Dan and Fireworks are about. So I thought it would be extremely valuable for any business owner, any brand to understand the nature of modern marketing and what you need to do to ensure your marketing plan is actually working efficiently. Amongst other things in this podcast, Dan talks about how COVID has influenced his clients' approaches to marketing. They doubled down in some areas to do more of the kind of digital level of communications that we've definitely seen. For some, they've decided that it's fast-tracked. Gives valuable advice to the entrepreneur who wants to try out the next shiny new thing in marketing. Sometimes you need to kind of just have a, keep an eye on it, um, a watchful eye on it, and then maybe look to trial it in a small way and, and do that over a period of time and then review that, set some KPIs to it, and then, and then measure that and look at whether it was worthwhile investment. And cuts through the chase to give a very simple definition of what marketing is. We either are trying to solve a problem or, or sell an aspiration. If you want to know more about Evolve and the services that we offer, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, Dan, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, welcome, Warren. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you as a guest. I suppose for our listeners, we should just start with a little bit of your background. So when did you start Fireworks and what was your motivation to do so? Yeah, sure. Well, I started uh, Fireworks back in 2007. Um, and I guess prior to that, I was part of an organization called the SPS Group, which was based over in uh, Ferndown. Yeah, long established um, family business, really. Absolutely, yeah. So um, uh, James and Toby Martin and the father Ian. Um, so back off a rewound now, 25, 26 years ago when I finished my time in art college, uh, my uncle was a partner in an advertising agency called MBS back in the day. And um, and then I used to go and do work experience. And anyway, long story short, when I finished my, uh, my two years in art college, um, I was doing a higher national uh, kind of certificate part time after that and doing a bit of work. And he said, look, I'm going to go and do, I'm going to set up with the SPS group. Um, and we formed a company called Clockworks. Oh, um, okay. And uh, so we set up as, a, as the design arm of the SPS group back then. And that was just him and I. 
Uh, we grew that over the next sort of 10 years as a department of Turbis through to kind of turning over around a, a million pounds on its own. And there's about 15 of us. Um, and I guess ultimately I saw uh, a future because the SPS group was mainly print focused, did a lot of large format print yeah. and kind of distribution. I was getting more and more interested by the digital space and where that was going um, and kind of wanted to, I guess, stretch out and, and do my own thing. So I then went off and set up fireworks um, and uh, that was working uh, out of a small office for about 50 pounds a week rent and um, and then kind of on my own and, and started again effectively. So how did it feel going from that kind of environment where you're part of a business, you'd grown a business to go back to being you a laptop? I, I describe my starting days as me a laptop phone in a desk type thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and to a degree, that's kind of how it was. It was, I was, I remember I kind of I had a, a, a shareholding and I sold that and I had, so I kind of had a, had a bit of cash, although that was probably would have lasted me maybe a year if I had scrimped and saved. Um, and I guess my, my rationale for, for kind of doing that was just that I, I didn't want to kind of spend my life kind of going, what if, mm. um, and although it was a massive risk at the time, cause I was on a really good salary and, um, part of a large organization, um, I kind of wanted to, I guess, ultimately have the control and the choices that, that I was making. And, and, um, it was incredibly um i just remember working all the hours under the sun really um and um i was very very fortunate that um that i had a number of of uh kind of things kind of fell into my lap i guess and luck as much as judgment um but i kind of obviously built up a good network of people that i knew uh, that, that both um gave me advice but also that i could go out to and i ended up work doing some work for and actually one of our largest clients at the time that we were dealing with at the old company kind of decided that that they they kind of wanted to carry on working with me to some degree and so that that really helped um in the early days but i I just remember doing a lot of 78 hour weeks um on my own (laughs) it was kind of a bit it was very strange to go from managing a team of well, I had 15 of us and, and yeah. doing all of that and being part of and reporting to a board and then and then kind of being on my own. Yeah. Uh, it was, but yeah, and um, I guess just just putting myself out there and trying to do really good work and I guess uh, a lot of hard work and and um, and yeah, I you know managed to um, yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird just the fact that it was the most uninspiring environment to be in printer in the corner <laughs> little desk and um you know that's well it's back in the days where it was still relatively you know we we're still uh, you know printing stuff out and mm. you know a lot of communication uh, in a traditional form and little phone on the desk and yeah and, and kind of just built that up again from there so so what's the journey been like then i mean i suppose where are you now? Where were you perhaps pre-COVID? Where, how do you build the business over that kind of 13, 14 year period? So, um, well, I, I, probably about a year into doing uh, fireworks, my one of my, my ex-business partner uh, from or one of the co-directors actually of, of Clockworks had decided also to leave. And I think things had kind of changed a bit in the time that I'd left. And so he'd set up on his own. He approached me and said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keen to do uh, to do some stuff and he started doing some some sort of 
work on the side with me and then eventually we kind of agreed that that we would merge okay so he came into the business um and um and uh, him and i are very very different people but that was kind of complimentary so he was yeah. very much more process driven than me and very much into the data and and kind of that side of things and and i was kind of always more of an ideas person i guess and and kind of did more of the front end of the business side um we so we we kind of ended up working with we had a whole host of clients from uh harvey's furniture store and uh uh western union uh bright house a whole bunch of kind of large format right. retail clients who are working with uh as well as kind of more sme and, and and small businesses so um i guess uh where i cut my teeth at, at, at the clockworks and sps we were working with l'oreal and sony and brands of that kind of ilk and mother care and we were kind of doing a lot of the kind of brand in-store brand communications for those for those brands um and where we carried on we obviously had a background of history in retail and and kind of uh that, that side of things um and actually we went through quite a change because as, as, as you will have seen retail has gone through quite a lot of change the high street's gone through a lot of change um and We'd always worked with small to medium-sized businesses over that time. Um, and although it sounds great to talk about these names like L'Oreal and Sony, the reality is that you were a very, very small part in a huge cog and a huge machine. And we yeah, didn't you've really got, have you've got a small part of their overall budget, haven't you? Yeah, you Absolutely. Know. And you didn't have any control, really. You know, you come up with ideas and doing work on Vodafone. It's great, but you're not, you're not the global agency setting the Vodafone campaign. Whereas working on um small to medium-sized businesses you know you can have you've got the control and the influence to be able to set the agenda for that and and that was always the thing that really interested me um uh it's great to have some large kind of clients to for credibility but actually the reality is that um when you're the size that that, that we were you were never really the one that was setting all the agenda yeah. for it so um so I guess the transition came is my, my uh, business partner and uh, Gavin, who, who was my co-director at the time, uh, him and I um, parted company. I think we went through a lot of change and I kind of realized that uh, he, he, we, but I wanted to kind of grow the business further and he was kind of more interested in taking, I guess felt like we were working, he felt like we were working twice as hard probably and not seeing the returns from it. Um, yeah. And actually said, well, I can probably work from my, ironically, work from my house, which we've all been doing over the last 12 months, <laughs> and probably earn a similar level. And, and, and we've always got on well, it was very amicable, and I said, I totally get that. So we kind of agreed that, he, you know, he exited um, now four and a half years ago. Wow. So, but that's a really interesting thing is that those dynamics of having worked with somebody, got on with somebody, had the complementary skills, but then actually being in business together, recognizing that actually you've got d different desires and, you know, your your view is about putting the hours in now for the longevity and to grow a business. And Gavin's was, you know, and, and everybody's different, aren't they? But it was about, I want to put the hours in for an immediate return. And that doesn't happen in business all the time it doesn't happen in business and we and we kind of we you know i was we were investing heavily in we brought we brought uh business development people into the business and i kind of was pushing them out i was getting advisors in who had grown agencies and investing in that and i think we were spending we went through this actually with the last company with when i was with sps and we were we had a really high turnover but very very low in comparison bottom line mm. um and and if I look at that in comparison to when we first set up, when I first set up Fireworks and when we were in that kind of, you know, initial first four or five years, 
we were incredibly profitable because we didn't yeah. have a high overhead. And I think what what I recognized is that for it to be sustainable and for me not to be doing 70, 80 hours every week, then we would need to build a, a, a structure underneath that that was going to make that sustainable. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that it's a difficult trade-off, isn't it, between you can be working on your own and, 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 and a sole trader and earning a relatively good wage versus what yeah. if you want to be the same level, but with the hassle and overhead of having a larger team and, and all of these things. But um, it was, we, we were, we would, we know he's a really good guy and got on really well. And like I said, we complimented each other, but I think that we kind of split very, you know, we just kind of agreed to part way. So I kept the fireworks brand um, and we kind of divvied up the clients um kind of based on what was what was what was a, a, a fair yeah. split and and then and we and that was it and we're still still in contact now um but uh we kind of went about we just i've always tried to do business in a fair way and i think that that we just treated each other with respect and we were fair with each other and, and we carried that on i think um, it's the only way to do business isn't it really yeah you, know, I, I, you can I like be ruthless you, you know and there's those out there that are successful to and like that but is there a, is there longevity in it and it, are you being true to yourself and i think you've got to do business in a way in which you could look yourself in my view in the mirror and say i've done it was a difficult decision but i've done the right thing yeah that was it and you know i i guess um i guess from from that split four and a half years ago, I took a chance, I took time, I guess, I took the opportunity to look at the business and where were we and where do we want to go? What kind of agency do we want to be? Because we've gone through, I've been in the industry for 26 years and it's gone through a huge amount of change in that time. You now we were very much back in that day, very much traditional design and, and design for print agency, you know, doing a large format print and even then print design, outdoor media, that kind of stuff. And like I say, I want, I saw the change uh, in, in where clients' requirements were and the digital space continuing to grow. And I don't think we're still, I think we're still at the infancy of that, mm. by the way. But um, it's very much used that time to go, okay, what type of agency do I see Fireworks being? You know, rather, there's so many agencies out there, as you'll be aware of, um, yeah. and um, across the UK and globally, and what kind of place do we want to be? So I took that chance to kind of use that time to look at our proposition, to look at where our competitive advantage was to look at the types of clients we want to work with and the type of work we want to do and, and the name we want to build for ourselves. And, and that's really what we've been looking to do. I've been looking to do over the last sort of four and a half years, really. Um, COVID did put a dent in some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it put a dent in most of our plans in business. Yeah, I, it was, yeah, it's been a challenging time. Um, I think especially for uh, agencies, uh, yeah. like ours which aren't just you know we're not just a tech house where we we are you know delivering tech solutions we are much more of a, a marketing uh, communications agency um and and as a result a lot of clients went through have gone through really tough times some clients have done pretty well uh to yeah. be fair not everybody but a lot of clients have had a really hard time and that that times times to come through uh in the marketing a level of investment because people you know cash people need to hold on to cash to a degree and and yeah. reduce their expenditure so we definitely felt that and and the last kind of last 12 months was 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 tough for us um yeah. but actually since january we've seen confidence kind of returning and and actually we're back to kind of pre pre-covid levels um yeah it's interesting is when you talk to business owners out there i think there's this just general kind of this might be the norm this uncertainty may be the new normality 
and therefore yeah. we're seeing it well okay if that's the case then we'll just get on and start to make the decisions we would have made and we need to put the investment back into training development getting the right advice to do you know the next piece of restructuring we want to do or to sell the business or to buy something and i assume it's the same on the marketing perspective yeah it is i mean what we're seeing is um uh, is is just that the probably what what covid i think has done for clients to a degree is either those that were already on their game they doubled down in some areas to do more of the kind of mm. digital level of communications that we've definitely seen for some they've decided that it's fast tracked maybe some decisions they were looking to make but they've been forced into making because because of the nature of of the restrictions that we've been mm. under um but i think that you're right is that now people are going okay that this is where we are i think there's a lot of you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs I would say the majority of our clients that we deal with have got a very entrepreneurial mindset where they're going, you know, we're going to get on with this. We're going to make uh, a, a, the best of a, what is a really tough situation. Um, and, and you know, we've been, we've been very much trying to support our clients through that, through that phase. And, and, you know, we provide a lot of free support to, you know, advice over this time, or we've done a number of, you know, Zoom sessions where we're kind of just saying, okay, let us kick some ideas around and, and, uh, and try and support people in that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the biggest thing has probably been, and the hardest thing for us actually was the team not being together. Mm. Yeah, I think you know there's a, a creative energy uh, and a dynamism that we would normally have from being together in a room and kicking ideas around, brainstorming. And and, and although we can replicate to a degree in in you know remote remotely and and doing things over Zoom and things, it kind of just never has that level of energy for me. Um, yeah. And I think that's been the biggest. That's been the biggest difference. Yeah, I mean that must be incredibly difficult. Just not to be able to have your team around to bounce things around, to create that energy, to be creative together. I mean that must have been quite frustrating. And I assume you've only been able to replicate it by using Zoom, Teams, or some form of technology. Really, uh, absolutely. That's exactly what we've done. I mean, what we what we initiated was um to do we just we just stepped up the regular communication on zoom so we were kind of putting morning and afternoon sessions in yeah. and and very much trying to i guess from my point of view just ensure that i was communicating with the team not just for the work point of view but also because you don't have those you know water cooler chats where you know how are things you know how's things are, those kind of questions where you'd make, pick up on someone's not quite right it's yeah. tough you know that's been yeah. hard i think for a lot of businesses I think managing the team is one of those difficult things that, yeah, you can do you can do all of the right things, but like you say, if you're not, you know, we're human at the end of the day, and we interact by seeing each other physically, don't we, and reading body language, and yeah, teams and all of that, and Zoom is great, but you you lack it lacks that human to human, it does true human to human it interaction, does. doesn't it? And I've yeah. talked to some other business owners as well, and I think you know I've gone through some really personal challenging times this year which I'm, I won't necessarily go into on this but um it's been a it's been the probably hardest uh, uh, year personally that I've gone through ever and um I think there's also from a business owner's point of view you also um I think it's trying to understand that you're only human as well and you've got the same all the same yeah. kind of concerns that employees and your team will have you know yeah no definitely and but I think one of the things is to be to be honest and to be able to share those yeah yeah um, ex exactly that yeah exactly yeah. that so and and that's but coming back to marketing one of the things you mentioned there is clearly the kind of covid19 has accelerated perhaps digital marketing and one of the topics i wanted to cover off with you dan was this 
where do you think traditional marketing sits v digital marketing you know have we seen the death of traditional marketing or has it still got a role to play yeah um it's a good question i was um i watched i've watched quite a lot of videos from martin sorrell who's who's kind of invested into s4 capital yeah um and obviously he's got a lot to say around the future of of, of marketing and, and where the shape is. Um, and he's got a lot to say full stop, Martin. So he's got a lot he? to say full stop. <laughs> yeah, he has. But he, he talks a lot about um, words, you know, he touches a lot on programmatic um, uh, kind of uh, marketing uh, and uh, the use of, uh, you know, data and, um, and how that's kind of changing and, and versus the traditional landscape. And, I think that is true to a degree. I think there, there is, you can see a, a shift for a lot of brands where they're adopting a digital first approach or more digital than they were. But mm -hmm. I don't think for any second that traditional marketing is, is dead um, yet. So what I probably would see is what we saw for a lot of our, and we kind of split, we've got a split of B2B brands and B2C brands. And what I would say okay. is for our B2B brands, um, then we we would we saw the adoption of email and social interaction and social use of social media much higher and much greater. Maybe some clients yeah. hadn't done a lot of pay-per-click advertising on, say, Google or Bing. So we'd seen more of an adoption of that using webinars and, and those kind of uh, techniques. And I think that that's something that I think we will see continue because it's it's kind of where they might have relied traditionally on more traditional forms of advertising in you know, newspapers and or doing more traditional forms of picking up the phone. They felt that they had to change that model a bit um, yeah. and having to work in a different way. So I do think that that will carry on. I don't think it will mean that we will see the end of it, uh, more traditional elements at all. But there's a reason that, that you know, on a B2C level, there's a reason, you know, Amazon and, and Apple are still on TV. Um, yeah. And they still use traditional uh, marketing methods to, to communicate with with different customers. So I don't think it's dead. Probably what I would say is that it's just a case that uh, if you had a marketing plan pre-COVID, you probably tore that up um, and you went, okay, we need to kind of look at this uh, again from scratch. Yeah. Because you only uh, had limited options then, and digital was it, wasn't it? And digital yeah. was kind of it. And then, and and I guess if you want to have a conversation with a with a customer, then it, it, it's really around trying to use insights to understand, you know, listen to customers, having a conversation with them. What are their wants and needs and fears and all those things? And, and how can you look to address those? And how can you address those in a digital uh, uh, format rather than maybe some of the you know, outdoor media, for example, and yeah. going, you know, a lot of us in B2B would go to networking events uh, and things yeah. like that. And that just hasn't been feasible. Yeah. And and so would you say now, as we cut, you know, fingers crossed, we're coming out of the kind of COVID situation, getting back to some normality, businesses should be redefining their marketing plan? Is that an exercise you're going through with your clients? It, it is, absolutely is. Yeah, we, we kind of almost have a, I guess, we always, we always kind of profess a model of um, a test and evolve model. So we would kind of say you normally have within marketing, I guess, for well, for our clients anyway, a core set of activity that you know that you would do. Yeah. In fact, actually, a lot of the pitfalls we see with clients when they come and work with us for the first time is they've tried stuff once, it hasn't quite worked, and they've dropped that, and they're trying this over here, and then they've done a bit of social over there, and, and it hasn't actually got a plan to it. It's kind yeah. of 
uh, or they've tried it once and thought, well, it, it tried it once, hasn't worked. Whereas marketing relies to a degree on um, a number of areas, process and, and repetition and, and getting the communication foundations right and then sort of trying to tap into the wants, needs of, of the customers okay. you're engaging with. So I think for us, we tend to have with all of our clients a core marketing structure that we, we put in place. Um, and that, that structure will have seri a series of elements within it, be that email or social or pay-per-click advertising, all those kind of things. And what we tend to find is that we've seen some of that frequency and that ele those elements increase or the investment yeah. increase. Uh, and But we would always try and bring in trial elements that are coming in to see if they have a, uh, a potential uplift. And, and that we would see that anyway, but I think it's the case that the the, the, the models now, we, we kind of have got one which is adjusted because of COVID. Yeah. We've dropped some stuff because of COVID. We would look to reintroduce that as as normality continues to to, to come back. But um, I would say that for, for, for us anyway, it's a case of recognizing um, how do we manage investment in marketing, both financially, but also time. Yeah. And, and and how do we best get in front of customers? And and, and uh, that that is an evolving thing, but definitely, I mean, I got my Apple email after the event the other day on Monday, I think, or Tuesday it was, um, you know, they're still relying very much on those kind of forms of communication yeah. to engage with customers. Yeah, so it's finding the right thing, amplifying when you need to, and just tweaking and just seeing how that transcends rather than, I suppose, entrepreneurs, are, you know, can be criticized for it. We all like the shiny new thing, don't we? And we, <laughs> we see a shiny new marketing tactic and off we go and forget sometimes some of the things that could work for us if we just persevered is that a key uh, message I, yeah i think measured bets there'd be calculated risks and measured bets um okay. with a lot of this stuff so i think it's a case of saying i'm a big advocate of of trying things out i'm not necessarily i, mean, I read a lot about first mover advantage and i think in marketing that can be very dangerous because there is a lot of new everybody loves new don't they it's like this new yeah. thing this new thing over here and it's great and i think in some cases it can work well, but not in all cases. And sometimes you need to kind of just have an, keep an eye on it, um, a watchful eye on it, and then maybe look to trial it in a small way yeah. and, and do that over a period of time and then review that, set some KPIs to it, and then, and then measure that and look at whether it was worthwhile investment to then become core of what you do. So that's kind of how I, that's how we kind of structure it for a client when we're working with them. I love that term, measured bets. Have some measured bets in your marketing yeah. plan. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, That's great. I, 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 some clients haven't got a marketing budget. They'll just say, well, we yeah. spend stuff on doing different activity. But I think if you can have a, a budget for trying or testing things, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it's a good way to kind of help plan when, you know, what activity to, to, to do and, and whether it's worth giving it a go. Um, but, but okay. for example, I'm not saying chuck all your money straight away into doing pay-per-click pay advertising tomorrow if you've not done it, but maybe yeah. set a small budget and, and, and try that for a, for a month or two. But be consistent. Yeah. But be consistent is important. Don't just do one thing once and then go, that didn't work. Fine. So let's move on. Uh, a lot of yeah. the battle we have is, is trying, oh, I sent an email out and we got really low open rates, so we're not going to do that again. Well, actually, no, don't. It, it, it's not it could be a number of factors that's the reason for that. Um, yeah persevere 
Good. And one of the other things that I like when I had a look at your website and did a little bit of research around fireworks and you, Dan, is you're really big on that kind of term disruption. I mean, when you open your website, it just says think disruptive. Um, So, and I suppose being disruptive is kind of a, can be a bit of a buzz phrase, but what does disruption mean to you, Dan? And how have you taken that disruptive mindset into fireworks? That's a really good question. Um, in the positive sense, I know it can have a negative context as well. Um, yeah. In the positive sense, I guess being disruptive disruptive is all around um, groundbreaking innovation, those kind of that mindset of saying, going against the status quo, just because something, yeah. you know, current market is a certain way or everybody does it that way and therefore that's the way to do it. It, for us, it's around, you know, looking at how can you change the landscape, stand out from the crowd, you know, to, okay. to kind of make a positive change um, in the growth and the positioning of the business. So, you know, we kind of say we're not an agency for everyone. We make that quite clear as well. You know, we don't work well with bureaucratical organizations mm-hmm. because that kind of change mindset is becomes really hard to um, yeah. engender, if you like, yeah. because it's more about box ticking yeah. rather than accountability. So. For us, you know, we, we're, we're ready for clients that are looking to do things differently. Um, and they're, they're trying to rewrite their rules in the marketplace and to take calculated risks that will lead to that kind of exponential growth. So it, it for us, it kind of spans across creative digital marketing. Um, but it's very much looking at um, what is, you know, what is a client's competitive advantage if, the, you know, because for us, for marketing to work really hard, and I talk a lot about this, actually, I do talks on this, but we talk about meerkat marketing. Okay. Um, and so just to give you an example of where I am with this, um, if you take uh, Go Compare or Compare the Market or uh, Money Supermarket, the comparison sites, they propositionally, there's not a lot to separate them. So you know, they, you go online, you put your details in, and you look for cheaper energy or cheaper insurance, and they'll give you a list of brands, and then you kind of, you know, a lot of it's either price driven or uh, or based on uh, uh, the rates for a loan, for example. Yeah. Um, so they use marketing. They use marketing gimmicks to try and grab our attention. So it might be an opera singer with a twiddly moustache or, or a meerkat um, with a mock kind of Russian accent. Um, and, and, and they spend a huge amount of money in marketing and advertising to grab consumer attention. Okay. You know. Uh, so you, you very rarely would you speak to somebody and go, have you seen a, a, an advert with a meerkat in? And they would say no, because um, yeah. it's on repeatedly um, on a number of different channels, you know, both TV, digital, print. I see them on bus sides. So I think the, the for me, propositions are, are fundamental to have that competitive advantage and to kind of build that into your marketing. You know, why? buy from you why choose you is a question we ask a lot of our clients up front um, and 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 work with them to kind of define that so for for us disruption can be you know in 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 our terms is to say you know you want to be distinctive and memorable um you know that's half the job i see so much bland and mediocre marketing out there and that's kind of where we we i guess go against the flow of that so a lot of what we do is creating that I guess, distinctiveness and awareness in a way that gets people to stop and think. Um, so yeah. so then uh, you have the big budget to do the meerkat marketing. and, and Exactly right. 
you can be very niche, very focused, get the best of your spend, but be distinctive to your market because you understand who your audience is, I suppose. Absolutely. And to give you examples of those, you know, there are some, some of them are proposition, are business propositions. So for example, we work with Health Online mm. and, you know, competitive theirs would be Vitality. Well, Vitality changed the way that uh, health insurance is marketed because it's not, a, it's almost like a club. It's a membership. So almost the fitter you are, the less you pay. They've cha- taken a business model and, and turned it on its head. Yeah. So I think there's a number of examples of businesses who have looked at a market and gone, I think we can do this better or differently. Um, yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest ones to do that in over the last 15 years is Amazon, for example, <laughs> on a huge global scale have taken, you know, taken the model of, you know, faster, cheaper, better, you know, with regards to how consumers can interact with with the brand. Um, but yeah, so for us, I think if you can nail that, if you can nail that right, it gives you a much better fighting chance to stand out from the crowd rather than just relying on a marketing gimmick or a lot of spend. Um, yeah. and, and that's where we kind of, that's, that's, that's why we, a lot of the time we go into a, a client and, and almost we're set as the challenger brand. So we're coming in there to kind of shake things up and, um, and we worked some really big brands and that's, you know, we wouldn't, we're never going to win the overall piece um for some of the global brands because we just haven't got the scale you know we're not global enough but but we can challenge their thinking and and get them to reposition themselves so i would say that's my biggest piece of advice i'd say for any businesses if you can sit in it if you sat in a room with your ideal customer and you can after 15 seconds you can convince them why they should buy from you that's that's the kind of position i try and get to so that's the exercise you'd go through to for somebody to be able to define what their competitive advantage is is it yeah, yeah. It's a, well, it, it, that's the it, ultimate goal. Kind ultimate of thing. goal is that. Yeah, if you can sit in a market, you know, and, and we live and breathe this. So we have a payment on results model where we kind of yeah. align our fees and nothing like that to sharpen your mindset. Yeah. Um, I was going to talk to you about that because that's that is just putting your money where your mouth is and believing in what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess from our point of view, we looked at the market and went, you know, a lot of agencies charge. And I've, you know, like I said, I've got big agency experience that will we'll charge yeah. relatively high fees to provide advice, but no accountability for that outside of, well, you know, the account moves on over time. And we yeah. kind of said, well, look, how do we do this? In the same way that we've got, uh, you know, so we align, very much align our success with, with a client's success. And, and, you know, there's a lot of caveats to that because, you know, we can't, um we can't sell a terrible product very well it's hard for us to sell something which you know isn't necessarily fulfilling on on some of those things and and we need to capture that well so we need to make sure we, we're really there front and center on capturing the information on on the sale yeah. um equally our creative creative guarantee you know for us that's around saying you know we appreciate that a lot of clients it's a creative leap of faith they take it like well I, you know, and I hear from clients before they work with us, they go, I could have done better myself. I could have done that myself. Hmm. And, I, and I get those frustrations when, when people come to us for the first time and they go, look, I've been burned by other agencies. And we said, well, look, actually, look, we'll put our money where our mouth is. You know, if we can't get it right, then we'll, we'll just refund you back the money. Um, well, you know, so, yeah, that's very much our, our take on it. And and that's a very collaborative way of working, which is, I think, well, it is the way in which the world is work is moving, isn't it? Particularly for us in the in the smaller business environment, is how can you collaborate with your clients and customers so that 
everybody gets their definition of success, everybody gets the results they need from the relationship. Absolutely. You know, and I think that and we've got some really long standing clients that we work with that 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 absolutely know what they get from working with us and the, and the, and and the value that we we look to provide clients with and we've got a very much challenging mindset um you know so a lot of our case studies or tests we've got a lot of video testimonials and and, and from McCarthy and Stone to locally biz tech and health online and yeah. um clients in silk and what what you'll hear from them is that um we we challenge them to do the the best um you know the best that, that we can all achieve and and um and we have a very kind of challenging mindset with clients um to, to help them achieve their goals because we you know we're, our focus is growth ultimately growth in customer mm-hmm. base growth in the business growth in sales so you know we're very much on that journey with them um Brilliant. so just perhaps move it on to talk about some stuff around content yeah and i suppose that that you know what in your you know as a marketing expert um been in the industry a long time for you, what is good content? This is a big question, I know. <laughs> what does good content look like? And how do you create good emotive content across platforms to be consistent? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's a question we get a lot of the time. Um, content is really important. You'll see a lot of, uh, the, the, again, there's whole discussions around content marketing. Yeah. Um, good content for me starts with, a, again, it's going to sound repetitive, but with a plan yeah um it's, it's so boring um isn't it it's you know i and this is coming from somebody who on a personal level could do with more i could do with more personal planning <laughs> in my personal life um the but in a business context it's very much a plan um on social so um i think it's having a structure we tend to break content uh down for customers into different parts so yeah. you know there's there's content such as you know there's a lot on thought leadership and insights where the, where client where where companies are trying to provide um, their expertise to help uh, I guess engender trust with their target audience and this is a two way street okay so I think we're saying that you need to listen to customers who are they where are they what are the platforms they're likely to be on to kind of focus the attention on um, what are their challenges. So it's a really good place to start sometimes when thinking about content is what are our clients, what are our customers' challenges, what yeah. are the things that they are finding, what's what's keeping them awake at night, or to use that expression, or kind of the the I guess really, you know, in really simple terms, when I talk about marketing with with clients, I kind of say that marketing is really, really simple because we either are trying to solve a problem yeah. or, or sell an aspiration. And it really is that simple. You know, so either you want to be um you know you want to associate with uh james bond yeah uh coming out of the car with his omega and he's got the aston martin and he's got the suits and he yeah and then you kind of oh you know love that that speaks to me or or i've got my mulberry handbag um or 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 you know and working with i say working with clients like in health insurance it's kind of uh, well, from as little as this, you can protect yourself if you have a, a healthcare need and sat in a, in, a, in, a, in a private hospital and avoid those kind of waiting lists. So yeah. that's the problem. And we've got the 
the solution for it. So I would say content for me is no different in this regard. It's a case of saying what are the problems that we can um, fix or, or the aspiration that we can provide you, yeah. that dream, that dream fulfillment. Um, so uh, I would say break your, break your content down into, um, into a plan and then have it in different pots. I think it's, uh, you know, for me, it would be a case of mixing um, uh, content into stuff which is useful, memorable, uh, it's entertaining. Mm. Um, there may be a mixture of culture, i.e. what's going on within the business uh, and, and the team as a whole, maybe news, uh, case studies. When we talk to business B2B, you know, case studies is a great way to demonstrate yeah. trust and, and the trust others have in you. Um, and, and keep an eye on what your competitors are doing, you know, and, 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 you know, I think that's, that's also a great, a great thing to do. Just have a look, you know, the, the wonders of, of, of where we are with digital is we can see very easily what other people are doing. Very in our visible, isn't it? It's yeah. very visible. Um, and also, um, it's, it's, you know, from a content point, from social in particular, there's a two way street for having conversations with people. Uh, you know, you see a lot of surveys on things such as LinkedIn, where people are trying to get insight and engagement with with people on, on a two way conversation. Right. Brilliant. It's really good. And I, I was going to say, where do you think the testimonials and case studies do sit in that marketing? Is that is that very much the world of the B2B kind of marketing or does that sit? It's, it spans both. So, um, so for example, with McCarthy and Stone and Care South, some clients that we work with in the kind of uh, care and retirement mm. uh, sectors, then you, you, you know, testimonials and client, client, a uh, customer feedback, you, it absolutely gets used and it is a way yeah. to, it kind of helps substantiate it. And you see also review sites are used massively in a B2C area. So they absolutely, course, um, yeah. You know, they absolutely play a huge part in decision making for B2C brands in particular. Um, B2B, I see case studies per se, much more so in B2B. Um, yeah. Again, it's around trust and building, you know, that association. I mean, there's the adage, isn't it, that people buy from people they like and trust. Mm-hmm. And building trust, I guess, takes time. And, and so for us, you know, we get clients that will come to us, but will have seen the clients we've already helped and that builds uh, confidence, I guess, that um, that we're able to do the things you that have we talk an ability about. and an integrity and a credibility to deliver what you say you're gonna deliver, isn't it? Exactly Definitely. that. Exactly that. And where do you sit in that kind of case study testimonial world, V sort of written versus video versus <sighs> sound bites? You know, that there's so many ways you could deliver case studies and testimonials, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think you need to have a mix because people will want to digest information very differently. Um, I think what what I talk to clients about a lot is that that maybe within an organisation, the decision makers, the time of the decision makers, and their biases are different. So sometimes we talk to clients about um, you want to deal with if you're trying to engage with an owner manager, they might be really time poor, and actually doing a 60 second video is really something easily that they can digest equally. Yeah. They might well have a, um, a person who is much more in an administrative role that will spend time doing the research and they want to digest information. It might be in a technical front, for example, and looking at, they want to really get into the detail. So I think a mix, a good healthy mix is always good. Um, yeah. What I, I tend to try and use the lens of is we talk about client different 
personas within people so how what are the things that we think are going to be important for those personas within the organization and and, and set your case studies or your testimonies accordingly yeah and, and use a variety of different methods and platforms for delivery to match the personas of the individuals yeah absolutely because i think if you're for example you know uh using um linked you know social we've talked a lot about but instagram even within social the 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 way that people communicate on instagram versus um say linkedin uh, in a b2b context are very very different and i think that there's you know i think having that mix and match approach is appropriate to engage people in different ways um and and so i would say use use a mix of it a video is becoming more and more prevalent that's all i would say and I think also we've got used to a level of production values on video, which isn't necessarily yeah. all bells and whistles. You know, where a lot of us are used to doing this kind of, uh, you know, I'm talking on my webcam, and and the quality isn't so great. But there's a great honesty about that, isn't there? If you can there see is. one that's delivering a great message, that then actually there's an honesty about it, rather than you know there is a place clearly for very polished videos, but sometimes the raw honesty of a soundbite from somebody who's just wants to communicate a message and has used video to do it works, doesn't it? It does. Absolutely does. Yeah. So I I think that's what I would say. So one of the questions, and it's one of the things I struggle with, there's so much out there from a marketing perspective now that as a business owner, how up to date do you think you need to be compared to being reliant upon your team and an agency, for example? You know, what's that level of knowledge that you would recommend a business owner of a typical SME should have, or should they just trust in their team? Because the world <laughs> is changing, isn't it? It's a, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because it's... it is a difficult one. I mean, I would say, I'd say as a business owner, it's good to have uh, goals, yeah, measurable goals, I guess. And I, I appreciate that was a really generic statement. And yeah, yeah. of course, you know, goals. But in marketing terms that we talk about vanity metrics and key performance indicators that you can measure. Yeah. So you might have a model. We, we talk about models of cost per lead, cost per acquisition. These are words that you use in marketing and we use with clients a lot. What I would say is that on a cost per, you know, if you're looking at cost per lead basis in, in, and, and that's whether you're B2C or B2B, um, then that's a really good one as a business owner to understand because if you're making this investment in marketing and I do look at marketing as investment rather than a cost mm. and it yes. is it is trying to get that across to people sometimes I feel like I'm having to sell the idea of marketing into a company and to yeah. a business owner and they'll go well I'm not sure about this marketing stuff and isn't it all smoke and mirrors um so <laughs> I would say the biggest thing is um to understand the uh, metrics that you can you know put in a dashboard together with metrics that you, you know are important for a business owner to understand so for yeah. me that would be not necessarily how many visitors have we had on our website um yeah. or how many followers have we got on social media or although that can be benchmarks people like I guess as a business owner I'm more I'm more intrigued by um you know ob- obvious numbers how many how many you know what what are we investing in marketing um, yeah. what, what has that delivered as returns through different channels? And it is much more measurable now through digital. Mm-hmm. Um, how many leads have we generated or email signups have we generated that kind of stuff? Um, and, um, 
And if we're trying stuff, like I say, if we try and we've got a test budget, then it's even more critical for us to kind of make sure that we are measuring the effectiveness of that of that trial. So those for me are the things that I would say. So very, very simple stuff like Google Analytics within your website um, as a business owner. Do you really care how many people came on mobile or how many came on desktop? Not necessarily. As long as the website's optimized. For me, the, the importance is, well, actually, have we got a goal tracking set up and are we able to see the people that have, we know what they've done. So understand the journey, understand, understand the journey. The, yeah, understand the journey, understand what good looks like when you get there and understand a bit about how you're going to get there, but not necessarily all the technicals. Don't get lost in the technical stuff about yeah. getting from A to B. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's, there's nothing wrong with also, you know, a lot of the time we come in and we come, we come in to support a, a company that are, that have got internal marketing team already, you know, um, and Health Online, for example, they've got an expansive uh, marketing team internally. Our, our job is to complement that and to maybe help sanity check, I guess, what they're doing um, and come up with, you know, just making sure that we're, we're optimized for that um, and, and that the, to, to help with the reporting in a lot of cases. Okay. And then just as we sort of start to wrap up the conversation, Dan, I suppose this whole thing around social media where where's it going to go where's digital marketing going to go over the next 5 10 20 years and also we've got that little bit of backlash that's happening haven't we against some of the big kind of social companies you know and the netflix documentary the social dilemma and how people are being affected by that you know i suppose where's it all going where do you see it going and is there going to be this lack of trust do you think in some of the social marketing global businesses out there and what next? Yeah, it's a really good question. Again, I think I would say Martin Sorrell's got a lot to say about this. <laughs> so he talks, uh, he talks at length, and, and, and just to kind of, uh, I guess, clarify that he talks around first-party data, which is the information that companies can collect on on their own sources. Uh, in, in a, you know, so information about customers and and that use, and and in how that's integrated through websites, uh, apps, or CRMs, those kind of things. Digital content, you know, blogging, creating original research videos, uh, infographics, podcasts, those kind of things are absolutely yeah. uh, kind of an area. And, and programmatic, so rather than companies kind of manually, people manually buying ads and buying ad space, you know, using computer algorithms to kind of do that. Um, there's loads of buzzwords, isn't there? AI. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> um, yeah, we haven't which, touched on that. Have no, we, this um, and you know, big one. reality, um, voice, there's loads of, loads of different things. I think it's great for people to have an eye on these things and to have, a, uh, to, to have an overview of them. It's really hard to say where it's going to go, but I do feel that we're only at the starting of the journey of digital. I think okay. so. So my my mind would be that um, you know you need to have a, a a view on the digital transformation. We can touch on that in a bit if you want of, of the business and where yeah. that's going, um, and and how that you're looking at the customer experience overall. Um, and, and how that applies to the business and, and to make it better for customers and better for the overall marketing communications. Um, with regards to the social question, I mean that on a personal level, on a personal level, if I speak personally, yeah. I'm actually on very few social channels. And that's a personal choice of mine because I, I don't, I guess from a personal point of view, I'm not I'm not so worried about people knowing too much about what's going on in my personal life. 
I guess. And that's just a personal choice of mine. And people are very, very different. I think from marketeers' point of view, I think people have the, the veil has been Cambridge Analytica. The kind of veil was uh, was lifted, I mm. guess, through through that. And and uh, as a cynical marketeer, if you like, where over the last 50, 60, 70 plus years, there's been versions of this. You know, we would have gone to Tesco's with our club card and all the information on what yeah. we're buying has been stored. We, as marketeers, we would use profile data and use what we call mosaic profiling to identify customers in different segments and, and get a view on their buying habits. And we would use that then to promote marketing and advertising to those people. So from my perspective, um, I think it's, no, it's not a new thing for me from an industry point of view that if you're going onto a free social platform, which is you know ultimately what it is, and you're communicating with people uh, across the world, the trade-off is that, well, advertisers are going to use some information they hold on you to promote stuff to you or to try and influence you. It's a quid pro quo, isn't it? It's a quid pro quo. Some people will will decide, I guess, that they're not comfortable with that or they yeah. may, may see a paradigm shift in, in how people are using data. And you'll see brands like Apple, for example, are taking quite a charge on data mm. at the moment and they're making a big thing of that and the play against Facebook. Um, I, I think that, like I say, I think that digital is is only still its, its infancy. So I, I think that for brands to reach uh, uh, customers, the 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 digital and, and social channels have still got a huge place to play. Um, but I think that what becomes more important is for you to have a very clear understanding of your brand positioning, what you stand for, what your values are, and communicating those values out to customers in a consistent way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see this, you know, I've commented on this recently around the Burger King campaign that ran. They'd done a lot of stuff, but they did quite a controversial campaign, which got a lot of backlash on social media. I think they have to be very careful how that is handled, because if you mm-hmm. go out with a campaign which says we believe uh, we believe women's places in the kitchen, yeah. which is with a campaign that creates a huge amount of backlash. And I understand why that the, the subcontext of it actually was that they were trying to push people to going they want women they want more women to be working in professional kitchens within yeah. and they, they've got a speed to try and promote that but they used a very out of date mode of thinking and kind of like that stereotype yeah. yeah which you know to create that controversy and i think that that was a misstep i think because it it, it, it kind of provoked those and antagonization so i i think that social isn't going anywhere and I don't think we saw, we didn't see a huge back, you know, drop off on Facebook uh, suddenly yeah. from the Analytica. It, it definitely has got a huge role uh, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Okay. It's a very distinctive answer. I like that. <laughs> so I always wrap up with one final question and that is, uh, what's your definition of success? This is the Evolve to Succeed podcast after all. Actually, your journey has been one of evolution. So it's been great to hear that on this podcast. But what is your um definition of success then oh it's a really good question um i I want i guess for me personally uh i'm not driven necessarily by by money or things like that um i i I guess uh, i want to feel like i have made a difference to to in, in in this context to the to the businesses that we're working with um, um that, that that for me is it and i guess ultimately um that i can look back and think 
yeah, I did some really good work over my, uh, you know, in, a, in my working career specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm, 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 you know, I, I, my kids uh, mean the world to me and, and I want them to, to, to be happy, I guess, ultimately, um, you know, that would, that would definitely be it. But, but on a working level, it would be that we, that I've made a, a, a I've made a, a positive impact to, to, to businesses we've worked with. Brilliant. Thank you, Dan. If people want to learn more about uh, Dan and your business fireworks, where can they go? Uh, so, yeah, online, our website, www.fwx.co.uk. Um, we've got loads of um, kind of insights and, 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 and kind of information on there and videos and, and areas there. I'm on LinkedIn uh, as well. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, always, always open to talking to to people and, and trying to trying to support them. So, fantastic, Dan. You've been a great guest. Thank you for being on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you, Warren. Really appreciate it. I hope you agree. Some great insight there from Dan. Marketing is such a complex and ever-changing area, I think it's really important for any business owner and leader to have a firm grasp on marketing trends and how best to use what they have at their disposal. I also love the question Dan posed halfway through our conversation about why someone should choose your business. Why should they buy from you? It's such a simple idea and concept, yet it's one that can be easily missed, not only when trying to come up with yet another clever marketing strategy, also when starting a business. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? What am I selling? Who am I selling it to? And what am I selling that's better or different to my competitors? This leads on to my final takeaway from the conversation, which is around the idea of disruption. I like what Dan said about disruption, not just being a term you throw around, but an actual concerted effort to challenge thinking and being brave enough to try something different. I really admire the strong faith Dan puts both in his abilities and those of his agency to deliver on their promises. I really do hope you've enjoyed that episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, why not go to evolvemembers.com and find out more about Evolve. There you'll learn more about the services that we offer, including our peer groups, coaching, training and development for teams, as well as our lovely co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul. You can also register on the website to receive our weekly insights, articles and newsletters. If you have enjoyed that episode, why not help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing to future episodes. But for now, thank you for listening.